This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Eric Rosenberg from Personal Profitability. And when I'm not busy hustling my tuchus off, I am stacking Benjamins. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and happy Cheeseburger Day. Have you ever felt like you're sandwiched between too many overwhelming things? Today, we're talking to a woman who suffered horrible burnout. New York Times bestseller, Nicole Lapin. In our headline segment, thinking about getting away but you're tight on money, you don't have to go to Disneyland or the Grand Canyon. We'll tell you how to find a more affordable option. Plus, we'll throw a lifeline to one lucky caller before you get to hear my cheesy trivia. Get it? Because it's, you know, National Cheeseburger Day. Cheesy? Oh, come on. And now... Two guys who've never eaten three burgers in a day, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-J-G. I seriously think that that is not true. I was going to say, does it count when there's three cheeseburgers on one cheeseburger? Doug maybe has never heard of hot and now. How about the triple from Wendy's? I don't know about the triple. I just remember getting a bag of like six hamburgers from Hot and Now back in the day. You ever had the triple at Wendy's? Oh my goodness! That just sounds like does it comes with a, does it come with a bypass? A fit machine. It's um, it's awesome. It's really good. It really hits the spot sometimes. Wouldn't that be great? What's that second bag for? Oh, that's your defibrillator. <laughs> just just flip this right after cardiac arrest. How do you know I'm going to have cardiac arrest? Uh, sir, you just ordered a triple. We know it's, it's so good. Sometimes it's just so good, though. Those square cheeseburgers. Something about the square, baby. 
I, There's no egg on them, though, so what are you going to do? Th- yes. Well, that makes them better. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Hamburgers for the Win. I am Joe Salci. I average Joe Money on Twitter. And across the card table from me, another glorious Wednesday, it's my good friend, OG. It's hump day. It is fantastic hump day. I, I love. It just all seems downhill at this point. You know what I mean? And by downhill, I mean no, a good I thing. Don't. Not like, yeah, it's all downhill from here. It's all going to suck. Nope. It's all going to be fantastic. Because we got Nicole Lappin here, man. Nicole Lappin back. She, of course, wrote Rich Bitch and Boss Bitch. And now she is becoming Superwoman. She's upstairs talking to mom right now. She knows so much stuff about Stuff OG. And she's had some uh, setbacks recently that actually kind of spurred this book. So can't wait to talk to Nicole about that. But some other people that know a lot of stuff about stuff is Skillshare. Thanks to Skillshare for supporting Stacking Benjamins. Get this. Skillshare is offering OG Stacking Benjamins listeners two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for free. You know how you binge like Netflix or Hulu or NFL Sunday, whatever it might be? You can now binge Skillshare. Imagine how bursting with information your brain will be after that. How much better your life would be if instead of binging Netflix, you would binge like a skill. Skillshare would be so, so amazing. To sign up, here's what you do. You go to Skillshare.com slash SB. That's Skillshare.com slash SB. Once again, Skillshare.com. Where do I get that from? It's that Russian hacking site again. It's got to be. Thanks to Skillshare. Also, thanks to Student Loan Hero. You know, that's a sister site of our longtime sponsor, Magnify Money. Student Loan Hero is the place you go when you are looking at the big three of student loans, refinancing, lower payments, or forgiveness. Head to studentloanhero.com for more. All right, big show today, Nicole Lappin. But first, we got some great headlines today. So uh, let's get moving into those. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins Headlines. Our first headline comes to us from Investment News. This is written by Greg Iacurci. I'm always interested when celebrities pass away. And uh, first person's not a celebrity, by the way, here. Uh, No, but, but, you know, all the estate stuff that happens. Like, it's just a Mm. good reminder to get your estate in order. Of course, this is going to be a little different. It says the wills of Jeffrey Epstein and Aretha Franklin raise questions of legitimacy. Uh Oh, which I thought was interesting. I just saw something about Aretha Franklin. They uh, found when they were going through her house, a million dollars of uncashed checks. I believe it. Just everything you've heard about. Just money, just hanging out. Just does not. And I wonder if, if, you know, they've got that not valid after X number of days, like in their corporate checks. I mean, this is So now you got to track it down. You got to go find the person who wrote the check, ask them to write a new one. Hope they do. Yeah, right. While they couldn't have been more different as people, uh, Greg writes, as news reports continue to trickle out of the estate of Jeffrey Epstein and that of Aretha Franklin, one thing's becoming clear. They both had unconventional wills. That lack of convention doesn't pertain so much to the will's contents, but rather to the circumstances around their drafting, which could prove instructive for financial advisors when dealing with client estates. Mr. Epstein's case, the issue is timing. The financier who committed suicide in Manhattan jail on August 10th while awaiting trial on sex trafficking charges signed a will only two days before his death. 
Mr. Epstein, who was 66, had a substantial estate valued at nearly $578 million. He left his assets to a trust, the 1953 trust, according to his will. Uh, quote, it's unusual to sign a will two days before you die, said Bruce Steiner, an attorney at Kleinberg, Kaplan, Wolf, and Cohen. Signing a will so far before death doesn't negate the document's legality. A will could be signed minutes before death and be perfectly sound if executed with the proper formalities. However, Mr. Epstein's circumstances may bring questions around testamentary capacity into play, attorneys said. This refers to a person's legal and mental ability to make a valid will. Quote, if he was so depressed to have killed himself, was he in the proper state of mind to write a new will? Martin Shankman, founder of Shankman Law, said of Mr. Epstein. Court could invalidate terms of the will if this were ultimately found to be the case. However, the capacity standard's fairly easy to meet. Mr. Epstein would essentially have had to have known who he was, what he owned, and whom he wanted to provide for, said Mr. Steiner. That likely wouldn't be tough to prove, he added, since there were witnesses present when he signed the will. This is interesting there. We'll get into Aretha Franklin's will here in a second. But this is a problem, and I love Cameron Huddleston's book for this reason, about mom and dad, we need to talk. She was mm-hmm. here, what, a couple months ago? When Cameron was here, this idea of getting your parents to put things in writing early is uh, so important because if you remember her story, OG, her mom just started not making sense one day and they, they nearly missed, nearly missed that, uh, that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. I think people are just worried about thinking about their own demise. And it's one of those things that seems so far off in the distance that you can kind of punt on, you know, tomorrow's not promised to anybody. It's sad to think about it that way, but uh, while you have an idea of how you want things to go, that's when you should tackle it. And it, it's okay. You can change your mind later. Circumstances could change and you have another grandchild and you want to change things or, you know, that sort of stuff is perfectly fine to do, but don't use, well, I'll wait for the kids to get older as an excuse. Do it now while it is what it is. Yeah, and then get- you're taken care of. Get it done. You never know what the future is going to hold. And the other thing about that, OG, while you're talking is the fact that Epstein or your parent, whoever it might be, has witnesses in the room. Witnesses and an attorney who drafts it mean everything to this process. And especially as the numbers start getting bigger and people fight over silly stuff. I mean, I remember one estate that, uh, a client of mine was involved in when I was a financial planner, they fought over an antique chair. Mm-hmm. The, the chair was maybe worth 400 bucks, but th- yeah. three different kids thought that mom said they wanted it or that it was to go to them. And so because of that, everything got held up way more than the value of the chair by far. Right. But witnesses and attorney make that, which by the way, has to do with Aretha Franklin's case. Get this one. In Aretha Franklin's case, Greg writes, the lack of convention pertains to the informality around the drafting of a will. Initially, it seemed the Queen of Soul, who's 76, had died without a will. But then three handwritten documents. So while they're going around finding all these checks, OG, they're also finding wills. Three of them, dated between 2010 and 2014, were found in her Michigan home. One was in a notebook found under her couch cushions. The question is convenient place to leave your estate plan. That's right. Right where the nephew who got everything put it minutes before they found it. 
Right. The question is, do any of these handwritten documents count as Miss Franklin's will? The answer has major implications for estimated $80 million estate dying without a will would, according to Michigan law, mean her estate would be divided equally among her four sons. Quote, we don't know if any of those pieces of paper is, in fact, a will because it's unconventional, Mr. Steiner said. Had they been conventional, it would have been easier. She had plenty of money and plenty of access to lawyers. So she basically just took a pencil and she wrote down what she wanted. And that's her. That's not the way to do it. Don't do it that way. No. Pretty frustrating. Have an attorney draw it up. And I know you and I are the same on this page. I don't even like these off the shelf will kits. I get how cheap they are. I get that they're it's a lot of the verbiage is the same if your estate's pretty basic as what you get, but having that attorney draw it up in case something goes wrong later or you pass away anytime fairly soon, you end up kind of pre-choosing the attorney your family's going to deal with anyway. Your family OG is going to need a lawyer later after you pass away, they're going to turn to a lawyer. Who better to choose who would be your lawyer than the person who did your will. Yeah, it's just always good to have that professional perspective on it, I think, especially because that stuff changes all the time. I mean, depending on what state you live in, depends on different rules. If you move back and forth or if you are part-time in one state, part-time in another, that's going to have an impact on it. If you travel for work or for pleasure and something happens when you're out of town or out of the country, there's different implications. It's just a good idea to have somebody there who can dot all the I's and cross all the T's along the way. Yeah. It's so important. I see people go the super inexpensive way. And then when they pass away, it ends up being much more of a nightmare. And by the way, it says here that, that in Aretha's case, sometimes it was illegible and, uh, they also don't know if it was really meant to be her will or if it was just her writing down what her thoughts might be. Mm-hmm. So get it done. Our second headline comes to us from uh, Market Watch, and this one is written by Autumn Jones. Wine country doesn't have to mean Napa and Sonoma, the piece says. Here's 10 off the beaten path wine destinations. Mm, wine. Had Dave Falchuk here from the American Wine Society a few weeks ago. Autumn writes, you won't need a passport to explore the many cities that are redefining the boundaries of wine country. Chances are you're only hop, skip, and cork pop away from one of the many vineyards peppered throughout America. Whether you have one day or an entire week to dedicate to wine tasting, you probably want it to follow far to sample some of the country's best. So it goes over some of the places where you can try wine that you might not think. Uh, Geneva, Ohio. Midwest is a sweet side. Tastes a lot like Riesling, it says. And then Santa Fe, New Mexico, six wineries within the city limits, more on the fringe. Palisade, Colorado, nestled in the Grand Valley along the Colorado River sits Palisade, known as Colorado's wine country. Winston-Salem, North Carolina, you're going to need something, she writes, to wash down that Carolina barbecue. What a better... Might as well be wine. (laughs) Yes, what better than a glass full of a uh, glass of a full-body Cabernet. Uh, 42 vineyards in Winston-Salem, Arrington, Tennessee, drive 30 minutes south from downtown Nashville, and you're going to be in the peaceful hills of Arrington, uh, nice area. Stonewall, Texas, Texas Hill Country, 46 mm-hmm. wineries on the Texas Wine Trail, Clearmont, Florida, Buchanan, Michigan, Southwest Michigan, near where I grew up, uh, Santa Barbara, California, Lincolnville, Maine, you know, I don't really care about the wine piece on of this, 
Not true. Well, I do care. <laughs> I do care. Yeah, I saw you taking copious notes as you were writing all those down. It was or as you were reading them off. Fantastic. Yes. Might have uh, might have kept that that one handy. So, oh, we're going to Maine. You know that's wine country. There's wines there. Oh, we're headed to Alaska. You know that's wine country. Wine country. <laughs> Doesn't matter the place. But what I like is this idea of we all think, oh, you know, I wish I could go to wine country. I'd love to go to Bordeaux. That would be so nice if you're a wine fiend. Uh, but you don't have to do that. These places are all over the United States, OG. If you're somebody who likes, as an example, give you a couple more examples of things I like. Nationally, you know I like NASCAR. You can spend a bunch of money and go to the NASCAR track. There's little or you tiny. Can watch it on TV. But there's little tiny tracks all over America too. You know, mm-hmm. oh, so yeah. you can go hang out at some dirt track in your backyard. You know what? That's a lot of fun. Board games. Talking about nerdery. I go to this convention in Dallas every year. We'll be live there the day after uh, Thanksgiving again from Board Game Geek. And tons of people go, that's halfway across the country from me now. You know what? Not my fault. Board game meetups all over the place. We have people down here in the basement. Andy Hill from Marriage, Kids, and Money comes over. We play board games here in the basement, five or six guys. Like you One can, day I'll be invited. You can take some, maybe. You, but you got to remember what happened last time. You can, you can't. <laughs> I don't remember if what happened last time. Well, that's exactly. That was the problem. Between that and wearing long sleeves and all those cards that were up there, that's a whole different thing. But I think there's a great point here, though. Like, it doesn't have to start off as this big thing. You can mm-hmm. get your feet wet locally. And sometimes you'll find out that maybe you don't love it as much as you thought you did. And uh, you didn't go spend a bunch of money on a trip that you wouldn't have loved anyway. Yeah, true. Right. Exactly. I know I went to uh, Columbia, Missouri. That was our first winery place that we visited. It was actually really good. Just middle of Missouri. Who would have thunk it? Yeah. Isn't that wild? People making wines all over the place. Beers, you know? I mean, you've got these microbreweries all over the place. Hot people dogs. People are making that stuff in their backyard now. Hot dogs. But all these people talking online hot dogs. About, uh, about dill pickles on your hot dogs. Chicago, I don't care if you all do it. I don't care. It's still okay. gross. Still. I do want to try the uh, the Seattle one with the cream cheese. The cream, it was so good. I yeah. said when we did the piece about what about a month ago now on uh-huh. hot dogs, I said that it was. Uh, I thought it was mayonnaise, but it was it was cream cheese. <laughs> okay, that makes more sense. By the way, cream cheese was mayonnaise. delicious on a hot dog. Yeah, it's pretty much good with everything. So that that's true. Do you ever just pick up a carton of cream cheese and a spoon? Just just lick it. <laughs> I get the brick. I just eat it like a like a candy bar. <laughs> And Ooh, that's, uh, you want me to get you a Twix bar? No, no, no. Uh, give me a Philadelphia. And that's why you failed the Haven Life exam. <laughs> no, right? Sure. There. Is that just cheese? Uh, we just did your blood test and it appears you are 99% cream cheese. <laughs> <laughs> it's low fat. <laughs> yes, that is good. Don't get me wrong. Your blood's flowing. The viscosity of my blood is not very good. <laughs> Maybe, maybe not, but I think there's a lesson here. I think we just lost the lesson, but I think there is a lesson here. Start locally. These staycations can be a great way to take a vacation and visit some things close to your house. Uh, So much less expensive and still a lot of fun. I wonder if there's classes, OG, on the estate planning process at Skillshare. I really wonder about that. You think so? Like you could dig into how this stuff works. I know there's financial planning classes. There's over 25,000 classes. It seems like there'd be something there. Thanks, by the way, to Skillshare for supporting Stacking Benjamin. Skillshare is an online learning community for creators. 
more than 25,000 classes in design. I've taken some of those in business. I've taken some of those and more. You're going to discover lots of ways to fuel your curiosity, your creativity, and your career. Take classes in social media marketing. I've done that. Mobile photography, check that box. Creative writing, already did that in college and or even illustration. Uh, while you're looking to discover new passions, start a side hustle or gain new professional skills, Skillshare is there to keep you learning, thriving, and reaching those new year goals. I'll tell you what I've liked about Skillshare this year is that when I needed just-in-time learning, you know, I follow the Tim Ferriss podcast. I know you do a little bit too, OG. And I like something that Tim talks about fairly frequently is the best time to learn something is right before you're going to use it because you'll cement that knowledge right away. And Skillshare with over 25,000 classes is a great place to get in your just-in-time learning on. No better time to uh, just before you're learn gonna... how to cook than right before you have to serve a whole big uh, group of people. I think here's what people should do. They should like take a Skillshare class and offer to come down to the basement and make us dinner. Hmm. You know, that would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Everybody wins. I like wins. where your head's at. Everybody wins. By the way, Skillshare for me coming up next, I think is going to be on uh, business process management. That's what I'm interested in. So you can join millions of students like me already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for stackers. You'll get two months of Skillshare for free. That's right. Skillshare is offering SB listeners two months of limited access to over 25,000 classes for free to sign up. Here's what you do. Go to Skillshare.com slash SB. Again, Skillshare.com slash SB, and you'll immediately start your two months. You can start binging the classes. That's Skillshare.com slash SB. I think our takeaways today, uh, number one, don't do your will in crayon. Uh, don't don't kind of uh, put it between the the sofa cushions. I think that's a big one. I think the other one that's important is having professionals help you with your will. I know it's more expensive, but a little more money today can save you a lot of money and strain down the road. And then I think in our second headline, whether it's wine or whatever, oh gee, you don't have to go all the way to France or Germany or even Napa Valley to find that thing that you like. There might be inexpensive options right in your backyard. Upstairs talking to mom. It's about time she's back. I think it's her third trip back here to the basement. Nicole Lappin has had quite a history. She is the host of Hatch, which was a business competition show on the CW network. Of course, she also was a finance correspondent on Morning Joe on MSNBC. She was on the Today Show on NBC. She has been, of course, the New York Times bestselling author of uh, Rich Bitch and Boss Bitch. Uh, she also was a news anchor on CNBC, CNN, and Bloomberg. In fact, she was the youngest news anchor ever on CNN, clocking in, guess what, OG, at 21 years old. Makes me wonder what I was doing at 21. Like, <laughs> what's your excuse? No, I wasn't. She, Nicole makes everybody look uh, like they're not quite doing what they should be doing. However, there was a cost to that. We're going to talk to her about that today. Her new book, Becoming Superwoman, is out this month. Let's say hi to our good friend, Nicole Lappin. 
And on her way back down to the basement, here she comes. It is our good long lost friend, Nicole Lappin. It's been forever. How are you? I have missed you so much. I am never lost from your life. <laughs> I am always with you in spirit. How do you, how dare you say that I'm an old long lost friend? Well, I feel that. I do. I wake up every day and I'm like, Nicole is with me. Everything's going to be okay. It's going to be good. I know there's separation anxiety. It's real. I have figured out, by the way, since we talked last time, how to push your button. Ooh. Yes. You ready? You're the only man who has. <laughs> we, we need like a bump bump there. Uh, here, here we go. Look at me. I'm turning okay. red. I am turning so red. But this, this is your favorite commercial of all time. Because I'm a woman. I can bring home a bacon. Fry it up in a pan. And never let you forget you. Give her Anjali. She can't get her own Anjali. She's got to have a dude give it to her, Nicole. I don't know if you know that. Oh, that's the most cringeworthy commercial ever. Ever, ever, ever. And if you watch it, it's like this lady who's like a sex kitten and then like a seductress wife and like frying up bacon and playing with the kids. It's like, this is the idea that women need to have it all and be it all and be all things to all people. So they're nothing to themselves and have a dude buy them perfume. It's so much pressure. It is so much pressure. It's, it's next level pressure. I mean, it's like, you know, the idea of having it all came from Helen Gurley Brown's badass book that she didn't even talk about being a mom. She wasn't. She just talked about having more sex and having more money and living the best life she could. And it's morphed into this, oppressive idea that we have to be all things in equally measured parts and put our oxygen mask on last before helping others. And I think leaning into everything, this whole rhetoric of leaning in so much harder and working harder is just causing so many women to fall over and into your arms, Joe. How did you know? Of course. Yes. Because a man makes it all right. You know, you know, I, this idea is so interesting. I, and the more I go around the country and talk about financial literacy for women, I still have some moms of women say like, you know what? I just want her to marry a rich man. I'm like, Oh my God, I kind of want to punch you in the face. A man is not a financial plan. And there's still this idea and it, it just has to stop. Well, and I even saw this, I mean, I haven't been a financial planner for 10 years, but I would meet those couples and it was often you know, the man that would come in and he handles the financial picture and then he would die and I'm sitting with her and she knows nothing about nothing. And, it, and it's so frustrating because this, the, A, it's not hard, but B, you have to be in control of your own destiny. You have to look that destiny in the eye. It's so true. I, the husband can die, leave you, you know, whatever. And I've seen so many women too, who've just been screwed or their credit has been screwed because as you know, you know, if it's under his name, you're not accumulating credit. If it's in your name, it's not getting paid. You're screwing your credit. There's all sorts of things. I mean, and it's not even that complicated. I mean, I, if I could do this, if I, Nicole Levin, who was dealt the shittiest hand on the planet and like was meant to be a crack whore in an alleyway destiny, anybody can do it. For sure. I'm going to get to that in a minute because it's a powerful story and I'm sure that it has been difficult to tell over and over. But before we get to that, you, you started off as a kid loving superwoman, but you've kind of redefined superwoman. Like instead of one word superwoman, now it's two words. 
Yeah, it's being a super space woman. And I think the idea that women have to be the embodiment of that dumb Anjali commercial or, you know, superwoman, the hero who saves everybody else and looks so badass in her bustier doing it, like saving the world every day. And who she is is largely a mystery. And I think that that space as being a just super woman allows for the woman there. And that is, I think, what's been missing. So becoming superwoman has that very important space as this, I think, very zeitgeisty now discussion about avoiding burnout and banishing breakdowns and trying to achieve realistic version of balance. I want to I want to talk about where this comes from because this isn't motivational. This isn't Nicole Lapp and motivational speaker stuff. I talked to you for both books. We talked also going into the second season of, of your TV series. Um, after all that stuff, I'm like, Nicole is a rocket. You tell this story where you wake up on the 10th floor of this building and the room you're in looks like it's a, uh, what do you, you said something like some weird summer camp. Tell me, start there. What, what happened since I talked to you last? So from outward appearances, um, I looked like I was, yeah, on top of the world. I was out with my second best-selling book. I had the TV show. I was out preaching badassery to women. And the truth is I had been working nonstop since I was 15. I grew up in a super broken home and first-generation American. Um, I was dealt a super shitty hand. I played it the best I could and I just prescribed work to myself. And the more I achieved, the more I thought I would be happy. And my goal in life was to be an anchor on CNN. And when I got there when I was 21, like it's high class problems, you know, that's, that was my goal in life. And so I needed to keep coming up with new goals. And I would constantly say to myself, like, when I get this, then I'll be happy. When I get, you know, a best-selling book, then I'll be happy. But then I got that. And it was like, no, another New York Times best-selling book, then I'll really be happy. And my, my brain never got to the other side of happiness or balance. And I, at the end of my last book tour, I had a complete utter burnout um, and subsequent breakdown, a complete physical, mental, and emotional breakdown that led me to an emergency admittance to not a summer camp, but the psych ward. And I woke up there uh, and yeah, it looked like I was in like a campy looking bed, but the windows didn't open and it was my own personal rock bottom. And it wasn't a single event that led to this burnout and then breakdown. I say this in the book and it sounds like a little poetic, but it's the best way I can explain it. Uh, you know, my breakdown wasn't a spontaneous combustion precipitated by any single event, but a lifetime of smoldering embers that finally caught fire and incinerated everything in its path. And that was my own personal rock bottom. And so while from outward appearances, it looked like I was on top of the world, I was there and I needed to rethink everything and how I worked and how I approached the definition of balance or success. And, and I was forced to do that and everything changed since then. Yeah, I want to ask a little bit about that experience, but before we get to that, I want to go back and I know this has got to be a little bit pain. It's got to be way painful. What I mean by a little bit, but it seems like your family has one set of problems. You have a dad who on one end 
is saving lives. And on the other end, he's doing all of this uh, off the chart stuff, hookers and drugs and all kinds of stuff. Um, and growing up in that, I just can't imagine. But you buried yourself. And I guess then, I mean, tell me what this felt like. It seems like you, you buried yourself in maybe school and then work. Was that like a shadow or, or, or was it putting up a wall that none of this stuff was happening when you went home? Totally. You know, I self-prescribed work and I thought the more I worked, the more I could outrun trauma. And that's really what I was dealing with. And anyone who's experienced trauma, I will tell you firsthand, it will come back and kick your ass. You can only run from it for so long. And when I realized that at my own personal rock bottom, that self-care is the biggest asset or liability in your career. Taking a page out of my previous book and business terminology for the win, when it's on point, it can lead you to greater levels of success than any networking event, any extra class or MBA ever could. And when it's off, it can bring you down in a way that I never imagined. And so that was a, that's the thesis of my new book and how it relates to work and your career. It's something we don't learn in school. I mean, you and I have talked about this in the past that it's ridiculous. We don't learn financial literacy in school or, or business literacy. And like, we learn how to dissect a frog and how to do the Pythagorean theorem. Like that's not helpful. <laughs> what would be more helpful is if we learned how to do our taxes or budget or business plan. Right. But it, that would be if you and I were in charge of the world, which I think should happen, but that's for a different podcast. Um, and we don't learn how to take care of ourselves either. I didn't, you know, I didn't understand anything about mental health. Anytime I, tried to confront it. It was only in triage mode. And I, you know, I was the valedictorian of my high school and college. And I don't say that to brag. I say that because like, I didn't know how to use antidepressants. I didn't know how to like seek help. I didn't know any of this stuff. We don't learn how to regulate emotions, how mindfulness works, how any of these very critical skills that ultimately will affect your career more than any stupid networking event ever will. Yeah. It's like you're trying to outrun it with success. And the equation is wrong. And studies have actually shown that, you know, yeah. more happiness brings you more success, not the other way around. And well, the equation is just constantly wrong. We always think we're, we need to be there to then become balanced or happy. And we just never get our brains to the other side of it. And I needed to realize I am here. It's now. There's no there there. It's right now. Yeah. And back to that idea, this idea of becoming, because even though people don't have this experience in the very traumatic way that you did, Nicole, everybody's felt this way. They're like, if I just get to X, then I'll be happy. Right. You see these people, if I just pay down my credit card debt, I'll be happy. If I just get a raise at work, I'll be happy. If I just get that next uh, promotion, I'll be happy. If I reach financial independence, you got all these people chasing financial independence by the time they're 32 ostensibly so that when I'm 32, I can be happy. You, you can't walk into happy. You got to agree. I do agree. I don't agree with everything you say, and I'll be the first to say it, but I a thousand percent agree with this because, you know, balance can be used as a verb and a noun, you know, as you know, and a lot of people use it as a noun. Like I found balance. Like we're playing hide and seek, like balance is hiding somewhere like under the couch and I found it. And I think that's really dangerous because it's something that you constantly have to work on. It's not like you find it and are done. And, and frankly, I have even gone through this as I'm going into this book tour where I felt like I was slipping yet again uh, because I got cocky and I had 
gone through all of this. And now I was writing a book about it. And then I was like, you know, I'm good. And it's not something that you can just achieve and ignore. It's something you constantly have to work on. And what I've become an expert in is not in being balanced all the time, but in regaining it when I need to, because inevitably you will. And any expert or whatever who comes on and tells you they've found some Shangri-La are lying to you. Uh, you know, I aim now for progress and not perfection. I'm not going to guarantee that I don't have another breakdown again or I'm close to it, but I can guarantee that at least I have the skills and the knowledge now that I never had before. I like the part in your book where you're walking out of the hospital. You don't have a cell phone, so you can't call anybody. You really don't want to talk to anybody anyway. But it felt like you went from always being in the future to being in the present. And that half of this idea of happy that you're chasing, maybe it's more about that. Is, is it more about that, about chasing now instead of chasing tomorrow? Yeah, it's just being wherever you are. And I think wherever you go, there you are. You know, I lived in 10 cities in 15 years and I couldn't outrun my problems. I mean, I have more issues than Vogue. So like the first step to any of this is admitting that. What was fascinating to me is after I left the hospital, I did a whole bunch of studies trying to understand if other women were feeling the same way I was. And I found that crazy numbers of women up to 80 to 90% were on the verge of breakdown or burnout or had had one before. And what was so fascinating is that only 50% felt like that was a problem and that their pace was unsustainable. And so we are thinking that swimming is not the, you know, not drowning is not the same as swimming and not realizing that something has to change is I think our biggest issue. And so when I walked out of that hospital when I was on somebody else's watch, I never then took for granted the idea that I am in charge of my own time. And I think it you can easily let that get hijacked the first thing when you wake up, checking your phone, and all of a sudden becoming a slave to somebody else's schedule. And at that moment, I really understood what it meant to truly be present wherever you were. And I looked down at the hospital band that I had and, you know, I have it on my desk right now as we're talking. Um, it's framed now. And like I had a normal hospital band that um, said my name and my date of birth and whatever. And then behind it, I had one that I didn't even notice. It's the yellow one. It says fall risk. You have that in the hospital because if you're like walking around, like you literally fall, that's not awesome. But it came to have such a great meaning for me because I had to realize that without the right care and attention, like I could slip again. And this book was supposed to come out six months ago. And I felt like I was an imposter yet again, because I was like preaching now balance. And I felt like I was hanging in it. And as is my style with anything else, I like to go first. I like to talk about the embarrassing things about money and, you know, all that stuff. So I can open up the dialogue and open up the conversation for other people to do the same because it is scary. And I'm just like, forget it. I'll go first. Like I am, I got nothing to lose. Everything's great for me now. And so that's what I did with this topic. And I realized the only way to tell a story is to tell it really honestly. And so oh. here we go. And, and the, and the truth is, you know, I felt like I bet now need to tell people that like I went back and literally read my own book. And I remember where I was feeling like a fall risk even just six months ago because my OCD brain was like, oh, Rich Bitch came out in March and then Boss Bitch came out two Marches later. So this one has to come out two Marches after that. And like nobody cared except for me. And I went back and I read 
my entire book. And I was like, who wrote this? This is really good. And, <laughs> um, and that's when I realized that other commercial, I don't know if you have that on hand either, but there was like some hair club for men thing. Do you remember this? <laughs> I do, but I didn't pull that one up. I was just trying to push your button. I didn't go for the I love when you do that. Yes. And you no, know, it was like, I'm not only uh, the founder, but I'm also a member or customer, <laughs> right? Right, right. And so I'm not only the writer of this, but then like a lifelong reader of it. And that's the becoming part is that it's like you don't find it and are done and peace out. Well, it's a big aha. I mean, there's so many ahas here, but I really like focusing on this one because we, you know, don't have you all day. Believe it or not, you have other people to talk to. But the um, but whatever that's all about, I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> It, it resonates with with it resonated with me so much, and I think it resonates with a lot of people. I remember in uh, high school chasing other people's affection all the time and thinking that if these people liked me, that that would make me worthier, that would make me better. And I just remember this my I don't know if it was the end of my junior year, and uh, I all of a sudden realized I didn't care. And if I wasn't happy with me then um, then it didn't matter. And then it became the same thing later on when I was dating people. Like I was so seeking affection of people that I was dating and it was a miserable experience and nobody seemed to like me. And then I realized I didn't really like myself. So why don't I learn who I am and love myself a little bit first and then I'll become attractive to other people. Or maybe I won't. But even if somebody else loves me, I'm going to make everybody miserable if I'm not good about who I am. And I really felt that. I felt that from your book. I mean, I want to ask you about one more story, which is this idea. I love your story. If you could tell this one about putting a ring on it, because I think this really talks about, I think, reframing life in such a better way. Yeah, I'm wearing my right-handed wedding ring right now, and I don't take it off. So, you know, I'm 35, and I've never been married, and I don't have kids. And if you look at Instagram too much, you'll feel really shitty about that. And you'll feel like you're not doing something that everybody else is. And I often had that video tape or audio tape play in my head. And, you know, often the biggest enemy is between our ears. I would say like, well, my life will really start when I get married. And, you know, then I can go on adventures and then I can go on trips that I've always wanted to take. And, you know, I'll just wait for somebody to go to the movies with, or I'll just, you know, I'll just wait until that for my life to really start. Forget that. My life is now. And I, you know, there's literally no one else till death do you part that you will be with but yourself. Literally, there is nobody else. And we hate on ourselves so much in a way that like, you know, I would just beat myself up. There was this mean girl that was living inside my head in a way that if I lost a deal or if I messed up something, you know, I would just beat her up. And like, I would never say that to a best friend if they lost a deal or if they made a mistake, I'd never say, you know what? You suck. You're never going to work again. Your career is over. Can you imagine that? And so I needed to figure out how to become my friend. And, uh, you know, actually I literally went into the Tiffany store in my mind, you know, a lot of girls think about the day they're going to get engaged. And, you know, I didn't know much about jewelry. I'd never been like a fashion girl and like a money nerd. And I just thought of like Tiffany's. I had like a, a nice blue box. You know, I didn't have the details fleshed out. So I walked into Tiffany's and I looked at the ring section and the woman was like, you know, oh, this is so exciting that you're getting engaged. You know, a lot of women come in and tell their friends to tell the guy for hints and all this weird stuff. And I was like, so I'll take that one. And she looked at me like, what 
the F is going on. And I was like, yeah, I'm buying that for myself. Thank you. I will take it in a blue box. And I put down my credit card and I put a ring on myself, literally put a ring on myself. That's such great symbolism. And you see it every day now. I do. And, and, you know, right-handed wedding rings go back to Elizabeth Taylor had one. This is like a symbol of female independence. And, you know, this idea that I felt like I was missing out on something that other people had figured out. And, you know, I wanted like a ring on my finger so bad. And, and I, when I put one on it, it really changed the meaning. I was like, I, will have a partner if the partner is additive. I don't need a man to feel complete or I don't need a husband or, you know, a family to be complete. I am complete. If somebody's additive, then awesome. But I don't need that whole, you complete me nonsense. Like had to go. Well, you can even take that and just to, I mean, even to lighten it up five layers, just even with your, with your financial plan, like I don't need to get out of debt to be complete. I don't need to, I don't need to retire at 32 to be complete. I don't need to, don't get me wrong. Those are great goals to have. And I want to push for goals all the time and make my life have meaning, but, but, but I'm complete now. That's right. I think that this idea that you know, you're, you're waiting for something to happen. Like I finally took myself to the movies by myself. Have you ever been to a movie by yourself? I love it. I I, love it too. I I thought, how did I miss out on this? I would, you know, wait until somebody wanted to go with me or if it like on the plane, but then I just like took myself to a movie and it was like the most novel concept. I thought I was going to hate it, Nicole. And I thought it was going to be like, I'm the world's biggest loser at a movie. And I went there. I'm like, oh my God, this is so awesome. I don't have to worry about what anybody else thinks around me. It's just me and the movie. It's so relaxing. So amazing. And this has everything to do with your financial plan in a lot of ways. People are like, wait, but you're like diverting into the self-help section. I'm like, no, I'm in the business section still. Yeah. This is not woo-woo stuff. Nothing is going to affect your career, the way you look at money, the way you look at work, the way you look at success, then how you feel about yourself first. I think it's the first step. And I go into like a mea culpa for this because you and I have talked about how important goal setting is before you get to a financial plan, because I'm sure a lot of people had come to you and been like, Joe, if I just had a million dollars, like that's my plan. I just want a million dollars, then I'll be happy. And I say to them, okay, what do you want to do with that million dollars? Maybe you need more than a million dollars. I have no idea. Maybe you need less than a million dollars. Let's first figure out the life you want and then reverse engineer to figure out how to get the money to live the life you want and not just arbitrarily think of a million dollars is cool. A million dollars is cool, but having goals is cooler. It's like jumping in the car, not knowing the destination. And I say mea culpa because you know, I tried to tell people to come up with goals and family finance and fun. I love my F words, as you know, um, because family planning is super important. That was the first thing that when boss bitch came out, the editor was like, wait, family planning has nothing to do with business. I'm like, listen, nothing is more time, money and energy intensive than children. So yes, it has everything to do with your finances. Yeah. It should be a combination together. They should be a conversation. I should say together and not siloed. And so what I left out was fitness. I left out an F word, which was, you know, your own emotional wellness. And if you neglect that for too long, then it will require all of your time and all of your energy. So now I go back and say, you need to think about those four aspects of your life and not just the three that I had told you about before. 
Well, not only did you circle back to it, you just hit the nail completely on the head. The book is called Becoming Superwoman, a simple 12-step plan to go from burnout to balance. And I mean, you, you do, you talk about productivity. This is squarely a business book, but it all starts in grounding, which, you know, who cares if you have a bunch of success if you're not grounded. By the way, as you know, Nicole, a million dollars isn't anything. Our friend Susie says you got to have five. So there you go. Thanks, Susie. <laughs> And a super awesome lapel like you have. Absolutely. Uh, Books available everywhere? Everywhere books are sold. Thanks for including us in the tour and good luck with the rest of the tour. It's great talking to you again. It's always great talking to you and you can be a super man. Thank you. I'm getting my cape now. Hey there, trivia fans. Good old JMND here. And today, it's National Cheeseburger Day. So to celebrate, gathered the neighborhood kids over here to watch me. Hey, pipe down, you little monsters. God, if you know, man. Anyway, wanted to have them over here because I just wanted to give them the honor of watching me break the record I set this week, last year, of eating three burgers in one single sponsor segment. But first, today's trivia is going to leave you feeling full. How about this fact? Sonia Thomas holds the record for eating a single burger in 27 minutes. Doesn't sound like much, but her burger might have been, you know, just a tad larger than your typical burger. So here's the question. How big was that burger she ate in 27 minutes? I'll be back with the answer right after I get started on breaking my record from last year. All right. Oh, hey, neighbor kids, watch this. You're not going to believe it. Well, if you're somebody who either has gone to college or thinking about going to college or you're wondering how to finance college, well, we've got the place for you, Student Loan Hero is the first place that we go to here in the basement when we're looking at our options for paying for college, whether it's refinancing your college debt. I noticed on the Student Loan Hero website, which is, by the way, studentloanhero.com, six best banks to refinance and consolidate loans in 2019, 10 essential things to ask before refinancing your student loans. That's a biggie, by the way. And should you refinance your federal student loans, those are just three quick posts on the refinancing section. But then if you need your payments lower, looking at income-based repayments, ultimate guide to lowering your student loan payments, paying off your student loans faster. Those are a few articles there or on student loan forgiveness, which gives you a complete list of student loan forgiveness programs and options, public service loan forgiveness. Do you qualify parent plus loan forgiveness? How to get that? Whatever your issue is, if you need a calculator to prepay, refinance, or any of the 20 calculators available on the site, all that and much more is at studentloanhero.com. That's studentloanhero.com. Welcome back, trivia nerds. I'd like to say that my cheeseburger record has fallen, but sadly, while the kids were great, our new producer Taylor wouldn't stop laughing the whole time I was eating. Who does that? Who does, I mean, that's just, it's cool. Well, we'll have to talk with her later about her manners. But today, I asked you this trivia question. 
Sonia Thomas holds the record for eating a hamburger of a certain size in just 27 minutes. While you and I can do that with a normal burger handily, like 27 seconds, am I right? What size burger did Sonia eat? The answer? Well, Sonia Thomas ate a burger in 27 minutes that weighed nine pounds. Nine pounds! Holy crap! That's like eating 36 quarter pounders. Not that I would know, but... Anyway, because I'm a math whiz, kids, that's how I know. Now, back to practicing so that I can break that record next year. Taylor, my God, stop laughing at me. Oh, and now you're pointing at... Oh, my God. Joe, where did we find this one? We could have started that last week, and I'd still be working on it. I don't know. I'm really hungry right now, so I'm... I'm all this burger talk has it is, me thinking. I'm I may I may just swing over to uh Wendy's or something and just destroy the diet for the day. That is so funny. Gertrude was just upstairs visiting mom and she had just come from Wendy's. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Like all of a sudden it's all about when hey Wendy's, if you want to sponsor the show, head to head to Joe. That'd actually be a good that'd be a good brand for us. That would be a good brand for kind us. Kind of some kind of funny stuff on Twitter from time to time. You and I look like a couple guys too have maybe had a <laughs> totally would eat Wendy's. Maybe you've like had a double. Two or three times. Triple, man. Yeah, this, I can't I couldn't put down a triple anymore, but I can do a double if the wind is blowing in the right direction. <laughs> get a good good get of wind aided Wendy's experience. <laughs> Because uh, it's not it, just about the double. It's the double plus the large fry plus the medium frosty, you know, to kind of just... The frosty. Just, just get it all. And then you just sit there for like another little while and you're like, oh, That's, I made a bad choice. I was thinking, just you get the frosty so that you completely hate yourself afterwards. <laughs> Actually, the frosty is a reward. Like, I can't believe I ate all of that, but at least I get ice cream now. Yes. It's like it's like when you were a kid and you got to, uh, if you finish your plate, you can have dessert. It's, you're like just pouring through the bag fries, just like shoving them in all corners of your mouth just to justify the, the soupy frosty you're about to eat. Do you put the fries in the frosty? No, but that? I've seen people do that. Yes. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, double with cheese, side of fries, a frosty. And a bag of regret, please. <laughs> Have you seen all the hullabaloo about the new uh, Popeye sandwich? I, what? There's this battle I'm seeing on all my social media about Popeye yeah. versus uh, Chick. Like they're going right after Chick Fil A. Yeah, I guess it's good. I don't know. It's a war. I don't know. You, stop I'll, it! I'll stop do, it! I'll do. I'll you do can, some invest. Some investigative journalism. You can tell you're hungry because. Oh, I'm starving. Yeah, we got a show to do. Uh, big thanks to Nicole Lappin for stopping by. OG, when it gets bad enough that you're checking yourself into the hospital, you're going you're going too fast. I mean, that's just a smidge. Yeah, not good. But it's great to see that she's doing well. And uh, what a great book. Great discussion. I think a lot of uh, takeaways in that discussion. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, OG, they put what you... Mm. Oh, no. Bring it. Why am I going to ask? What are the two things you value most? Right now? Oh, don't. Got to do it. Please. Okay, just... You ever just go to Wendy's and get like the Junior Cheese Deluxes? (laughs) Those I can do three at a time. Just do it fast. Come on. Stop. Oh, sorry. Junior Cheese Deluxes, 
Medium frosty. D- there you go. Yes. No, that's not it. Oh, gee, it's your loved ones and your time. That's why they made buying quality term life insurance simple. You drive me crazy. I'm going to eat like a pig after this. Uh, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now for a free quote. Their application's simple. It's online. You get an instant coverage decision. Of course, affordable prices, which we always like. And they're through Mass Mutual, which is more than 160 years old. Today, we're throwing out the lifeline to our brand new friend, Rena. Say hi, Rena. Hi, Joe and OG. My name is Rena. I have a question about Roth IRA for my child, and I do understand your answers will be for entertainment purpose only, and that's something <laughs> to learn from. So, no pressure. I recently heard on different podcasts that you can employ your child and contribute to child's Roth IRA on their behalf. I'd like to know the guidelines on it and limits. Do I have to have a corporation? to provide W-2 to my child and file their income taxes? How would it affect my taxes? And what type of work counts? Would babysitting younger siblings or neighbor kid will count? My oldest is only eight years old. We have three kids. We have no official business. I officially do nothing. I just raise three kids and overlook eight properties, rentals, and my husband is in the Navy, so it's simple W-2. Thank you for nothing, and love you guys. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Rena, for the question. By the way, I like how, speaking of Superwoman and Nicole Lappin being here talking to Superwomen OG, she does nothing except raise the kids, oversee, I think she said eight, eight rental properties, and her husband's in the Navy. I don't think that's Rena. I think that's Superwoman right there. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Uh, let's Very talk. Cool. Ab- Thank you for keeping the home fort under control while uh, dad's out there sailing the high seas, I guess, maybe. Yeah, that was my dad as well. Hmm. Uh, so this is, we haven't talked about this in a while. Before OG answers, Rena alluded to this, but we are not CPAs. So talk to your tax advisor first. But OG, what you got? Well, that's the biggest thing. It's going to be unique to everybody's individual situation. You know, there's different rules about how much a child can earn before it's reportable to the government. And off the top of my head, without looking, it's let's just call it $6,500 a year. That's the exemption amount, basically. So you could look at that and say, well, I'll just pay my kids 6500 bucks and off we go. Well, it also has to meet the needs of an actual service that the kid's providing, right? I mean, you can't hire your eight-year-old to lay brick for $52 an hour. You know what I mean? Like that's that doesn't pass the smell test. Can you hire a kid to do babysitting at eight bucks an hour, 10 bucks an hour, 12 bucks an hour? Sure, of course you can. But then there's some different reporting things that you have to be aware of as well. And so you have to wonder kind of where the trade-off in efficiency is. It helps a ton if you already have a business that you're running because now you're taking money from the business to pay your child. Because your husband earns W-2 income or let's just assume the the, uh, properties break even and all the money that you have is, is the W-2 income, you've already paid taxes on that. So... All you're doing at that point is just moving money from one pocket to the other. There's no real tax benefit or break for the business 
to hire somebody, you're actually probably going to increase your costs. I think you can get away with this to some degree. It becomes a lot more tenable once your kids are old enough to actually have their own jobs. And, you know, that might be 14 or 15 or 16 years old. And I understand the, you know, the time value of money idea. And, you know, people are going to say, well, but I could be, you know, loading all this money up. If you're doing it the right way, you're talking about like loading up 200 bucks a year, which isn't nothing. I get that. But it seems like it's a whole bunch of extra work, especially early on. Now, if your kid's like a child actor or does modeling or something like that, I've heard people, bloggers will pay their kids to be in the photo shoot, basically. But again, they're moving money from a business at that perspective to another person. No different than that they would move the money from the business to a third party consultant or something. So there's a little bit of a benefit there from the business standpoint. Merely moving money from your pocket into your kids, calling it earnings and opening a Roth IRA to put away a couple hundred bucks a year. I get that it adds up over time, but you might talk with a CPA about this and find out that it's not as clean as you'd hoped it would be, especially early on. Yeah, especially with babysitting, which is usually something where you just hand somebody some money or like you talked about before, Venmo them some money, whatever it might be. You know, you're not withholding taxes. You're not reporting. The babysitter's not reporting the income. I mean, all of a sudden you get all of this uh, paper trail that you have to have to put the money away that can make it onerous. Yeah. What are you talking? I mean, you're talking about to have a Roth IRA, you must have what? Earned income. And if you have earned income, the IRS can ask, "Where's where's the paperwork that supports it? And that paperwork is largely a tax return or W-2 and that stuff is going to come with self-employment taxes and, you know, just kind of weird stuff like that. So the key for me, OG was when she talked about those eight rental properties. And if she's managing those herself, when the oldest, the eight year old is old enough to do real work there, then I think it might, then I think it might become attractive, sweep the floors like that sort of stuff again. But you're, what you're doing at that point is you're paying it from the business. Yes. Right. Just like you would hire another employee, you'd hire somebody else to go mow the grass. Yeah. You'd hire a lawn, lawn maintenance company and they would invoice you and stuff like that. Well then, you know, now you're getting to the stuff where maybe it makes a little bit more sense to do, but, um, eight is kind of a tough number, I think. Yeah. What do you think? Like uh, 12? Yeah. It, it all depends on the volume. You know what I mean? Like if you're trying to, if you're trying to like build a rocket ship to go across the street for a hundred dollars a year into a Roth, just put that same hundred bucks into a 529 or up my account and call it a day. You could even, if it's a, yeah, in an up my account in the kid's name, put it there a couple hundred bucks, let it appreciate. If they have not that much income at whatever age, they can use that money later to fund their Roth IRA. Well, that's the thing too. I mean, just think of it this way. Let's say that from eight years old until 18, the most that you would do would be 500 bucks a year. Let's just put that number in there. From eight until 18, the most that you're going to do is 500 bucks a year. Well, what's that equal over 10 years? Five grand? Well, the annual limit right now is six. So you could just the last year go, now I'm going to put in all six. <laughs> you know, And you'd still be at the same spot. I get there's growth that's tax deferred and that sort of stuff. There's, so it's not exactly the same math, but it's close. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't think you're giving up so much. Now, again, if your kid's out there a model and making 40 grand a year at age eight, now you got to be doing the Roth IRA because, yeah, you could be doing 6000 a year this whole time. Yeah. Thanks for the question, Rena. If you've got a question for us, 
head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail. And Rena not only is getting one of the greatest money show on earth t-shirts, but she also is going to go up for a prize of some of mom's cookies, OG, in our basement Facebook group. If you're not hanging out in our Facebook group, here's where mm, you go. Cookies. It's uh, facebook.com forward slash stackingbenjamins.com forward slash basement. And that'll be the link because it's kind of a convoluted link to get there otherwise. All right. That's going to do it for today. Just a couple quick things. Thank you so much to everybody who's left a review of this show. That tells people what they're getting into when they listen to Stacky Benjamins and mom put some of the best ones on the fridge. And then the second thing is, if you're somebody looking at your financial plan thinking, hmm, maybe it needs some help and you need better financial planners in your corner, OG and his firm are taking new clients. Head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash OG and uh, OG's team. Then you'll see their calendar and uh, they'll take it from there. All right. That's going to do that for today. Let's turn this over to Doug. Doug, what should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? Well, first, take some advice from Nicole Lapin. Becoming a superwoman, or heck, even a superman, isn't just about juggling lots of different jobs or lots of money correctly. None of that matters if you aren't taking care of your health. Second, take some advice from our headline segment. Heck, even Ohio can be a good vacation destination. Oh, come on, that's just too far. But if you're short on funds, you know, and don't mind Buckeyes that much, bet you didn't see that coming. But today's lesson, I know you'll find this shocking because I sure did. Force feeding yourself hamburgers isn't very healthy, Oh, but it is mighty tasty, mighty tasty. Thanks, Nicole Lapin. Health first. Special thanks to Nicole Lapin for stopping by the basement to teach us basic money management. And biggest thanks to Joe's mom for letting me eat all her Bepto-Bismol. You know, just not because the burgers bothered me. I just just really like Pepto-Bismol. That stuff is tasty. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and there's a 73% chance that I played Chuck on Happy Days. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor.
on Monday, I just realized you said you had a story about New York life and I totally forgot to ask you about it later. Oh yeah. Real quickly. Uh, this was, this was back when I was a financial planner. No, uh, years and years and years and years and years ago when I was uh, at Ameriprise, I was a training manager. Part of my job was to work with new advisors, brand new advisors, and just kind of help them get through the initial stuff with clients. Right. So do an initial kind of discovery meeting with the, with their client, make sure that, you know, the new people didn't say anything really too silly. And so I'm working with this, uh, advisor, we're working through their financial plan and this client has this old New York life policy. And I don't remember all the details about it, of course, but it was inefficient. And life insurance is one of those things that tends to get less efficient as years go on, right? If you bought it 15 years ago, there's probably a new model that is probably better, faster, cheaper, all that sort of stuff. And so we're going through, and this, this policy happened to be a permanent insurance policy, had a ton of cash value in it. And we were advising that she replace it said, Hey, you don't need this insurance anymore. You can get cheaper term insurance and you can take the cash value and use that for your retirement goals and da, 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 da. And we're going on and on and on and on and on about it. Really smooth recommendation, lower the cost for the client, all that stuff. Right. And the client looks at me as plain as she could and goes, you don't actually think I'm going to get rid of this, do you? And I said, well, no, it's not. I mean, we're kind of exchanging it really. We're going to, you know, get a new one that's more suitable. She goes, no, 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 that's not happening. This is a New York life policy. It's the company you keep. <laughs> and I thought she was kidding. So I did what you just did. I just started laughing. And then I realized she was not. She was not joking. She wasn't joking. I'm like, oh, you realize that that's just a marketing com- slogan, right? That's not really a thing. <laughs> she didn't. She just, you know, she, that's funny. She, I always remember that story. She was their number one customer. I guess so. But you, uh, you've you got another movie? I do, yeah. I saw this film before it was released a few weeks ago. This is uh, Brittany Runs a Marathon. What brings you in today? Uh, I have a hard time focusing. You get enough sleep every night? Drinks on me for this side of the room. How much is enough? Six to eight hours. Oh, way more than that. <laughs> I had a friend. She was prescribed um, Adderall, and now she's very alert. You know, some people abuse Adderall. What? Let's get you healthy. I want you to try losing 55 pounds. That's the weight of a Siberian Husky. You want me to pull a medium-sized working dog off of my body. I'm starting to feel like everyone's lives are going places, and mine's sort of stuck. Hold it! Hold it! Try not to leave all your stuff in the hallway. That'd be the third time this month. Change is possible. If I keep interviewing, no one thinks I'm the right fit. I would love you to walk me through CPR for this doll. Oh, I'm sorry, this child is dead. She realizes that the woman is on to her. She's trying to get a nanny job. She has no nanny qualifications. And the woman hands her a doll and says, I want you to walk me through giving CPR to this doll. And she's, it gets very uncomfortable. And she pretends like she's listening to it breathe. And then you hear her there handing the lady back her doll going, I'm sorry, ma'am, your baby's dead. (laughs) Just absolutely horrible. This movie is uh, very, very funny. Who's the uh, actress in it? Jillian Bell, who is a uh, fantastic comedic actress. And she's, she's this actor that you say the name Jillian Bell and you may go, yeah, I don't know who that is. And then you see her, you're like, I know exactly who that is. 
So Brittany obviously does not have her life together. She's known as the fun person. Obviously, she goes to her doctor to see if she can score uh, some Adderall that she can uh, abuse. And the doctor's onto her. And as you heard in the in the thing, tells her she needs to lose some weight. She goes to a gym. More hilarity ensues there. She kind of has the wrong friends. And she decides that she's going to take up running. What was cool about this was I got to see this movie before it came out because when we moved to Detroit, missing our running group in Texarkana, where we lived before this, we joined a running group and our running group actually got invited to a free screening of it the week before it came out, which was really neat. So we obviously took them up on it and uh, with our new friends, some people from this new running group. We went to the film and where Monday's film got super high reviews and I think had some very serious messages that I liked, but I thought that it kind of tried a little too hard. This is a movie, OG, that is much more what I like. This is a much smaller movie that takes this little thing, this woman who doesn't like herself, she doesn't like her life, and she tries to do something better. And because of that, And because of how funny it was and how it takes some turns that I didn't expect, this was a great movie. I mean, obviously, I like running. I like comedy. So, okay, you've got that. You know, check those on Joe's box. But I think that this is a film that no matter who was coming over to my house, if we all said, hey, you know what? Let's all just kind of hang out and watch a movie together. This is a movie you could easily play for anybody. And I think they'd think it's a lot of fun. So, Brittany runs a marathon where I gave uh, Blinded by the Light kind of a thumb sideways. Big, solid thumb up from me. If you get a chance to watch it, I'd highly recommend it. Sounds funny. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate, and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.